All right, we are in Ephesians chapter 2. I believe we are on page 13 of our notebook. We're going to pick up on number 6, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I'm going to go ahead and read those verses. I'd make you stand, but y'all were just standing, so I won't do that. Verse 8, stand? Okay, Chris says stand, so stand. There you go. Hey, hey. We're going to do exercises this morning. Exercise. Danny, is it, is it uh, bright in here? Yeah, okay. I'm just asking. I told you. When I got the mic, I can call you out. <laughs> All right. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus... Ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the entity thereby, and came and preached peace to us, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. Now, Father, we come before you, Lord, and we just want to ask you for your presence uh, with us this morning. Uh, would you please watch over us? Would you uh, put your words into my mouth, Lord? Let them not be in my opinions and my thoughts. Uh, let them be yours and yours alone, and we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said, amen. amen. All right. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get the, hit the ground running here. Uh, obviously, um, you know, this is a very popular verse, is 8 and 9. Uh, most people, if you've been around church, you could at least somewhat quote the verse. You have some knowledge of what it, you know, what it, for by grace you are saved through faith, right? So we got that. <clears throat> what, so uh, let's, let's kind of break this down a little bit. Um, and, and see what, what, what we got here. So number one, Ephesians 2, 6 and 7 in your workbook, what, what, what's going on now is, is Paul's letting, you know, letting us know what we receive through Christ. What we receive through Christ, okay? Um, so chapter one, right? Paul is letting us know a couple things. How do we get into the church? What is, the, what is the blessings that we've gotten by getting into the church? So we could say those are some things that we've received by Christ, right? Okay? Because uh, we don't get those just because. No, you get those because of Christ. Okay? And by the way, all of that was planned before the foundation of the world. 
It wasn't God picking and choosing people. It was God choosing what grace and what blessings he was going to give to the people that God in Christ. See, those are two different things. And we've got to make sure we understand that, okay? And so what we've got here now is uh, Paul walks us through chapter 1. He's helping us understand uh, what this, this institute of this thing called the church is. And, and, and he gets through the end of the, end of the chapter in chapter 1, and he's letting us know, okay, now that we have all of these blessings, what are you doing with them? basically, is the idea. That's why he's praying for our spiritual understanding to be enlightened, that we would know the hope of our calling. He wants us to know, hey, we got these blessings. What are you doing with them? And, and where are you going with it? Okay? When you get into chapter 2, he, he, he's reiterating what he's done in chapter 1 now, and he's taking us in a little bit of a different direction. He's reminding us in the first three or four uh, verses, this is what you were. nothing good. <laughs> you were children of disobedience. You were, you were children of wrath. You were, you were dead in your sins. You, all these things that we were prior to coming to Christ and being in Christ. These are the things that you were, okay? Then, as we saw last week, near the end of last week's uh, uh, sermon, uh, we looked at, but, verse 4, right? But God, who is rich in mercy... Uh, uh, for his great love wherewith he loved us. And, and on, on, on Thursday night, uh, I think not last week, but the week before that, we talked about one of, the, one of the priorities of the church is to love one another as he loved us. And we spent some time talking about that. Okay, but, but listen, uh, the, the, we didn't deserve any of this. There was no good reason for God to have to give us any of this. And we got to make sure we understand that. I do think it's important that you understand we didn't deserve it. We did nothing. We were nothing to God in the aspect that he had to give us anything. You know, even to the point where David said, what is man? You're mindful of us. Like even, you know, David understood, what, what are we, that you would be mindful of us? And yet, he was very mindful of us to the point he sent his son to die on a cross for us. Wow. I mean, I just got chills right there when I said that. It's, it's that cool. It's that unbelievable. It's that is what real love is. That's what real charity is, is giving somebody something that they clearly do not deserve. And, and we have gotten that through his mercy. We have gotten that through his mercy. And, and listen, I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse here, but we do need to make sure we understand that mercy and grace are different things. Yeah. You know, I think what un unfortunately has happened in the church house today is that we've kind of made them mix together and mean the same things when the fact of the matter is they don't. They mean something different, okay? Mercy is getting what you don't deserve. That's mercy, but somehow we've 
bled that into grace. And it's not. Grace is what God gives us to accomplish what it is he wants us to do. Mercy is giving us what we don't deserve. Those are two different things, okay? And, and I do think it's important that we understand that. If we're going to understand this passage, if we're going to grab on to what Paul's really saying here, because, you know, like I said, how often do you hear it quoted? For by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we all kind of jump onto that, and, and that's kind of the, the crux of the message. Well, we never read verse 4, and we never read verse 10. Because verse 4 and 10 have to be included in the context of everything Paul's saying. Because if we don't get the context of what he's saying, and we pull, we cherry pick verses, and then try to uh, institute what we think those verses are saying, you know, we, we, we could have a tendency to maybe be a little wrong, right? I mean, we preach around here a lot, those, those 10 keys of Bible study, right? But, hey, make sure that we're putting verses in context, Make sure that we're understanding the verses ahead of them and behind them so that we understand what's going on. Make sure we understand who it's being directed towards. Obviously, this is being directed toward the church. No questions asked. Okay, we've got to understand those things because it helps us understand what it is we're reading because if we're, ever, if we're not going to understand what it is we're reading, then the question might be asked, then how can we ever apply it to our lives? Right? I mean, don't, don't we want to apply this stuff to our lives? Right? I mean, I, I know I, I want to, man. And, and as hard as it is, and as difficult as it is, we still got to draw a line in the sand, and we've got to say, hey, I'm going all in, or I'm not. And, and that's, we're, we're all there. We've all got to, and, and can I just say this? That is a daily struggle. It doesn't matter how far and how deep into your faith you are. That is going to be a daily struggle. And Jesus certainly knew that. That's why he said pick up the cross daily. He's reminding us that we got to remember. Remember where you came from. This is what Paul's doing in the beginning of this chapter. Remember what you were. Remember how you didn't deserve any of this. Remember that what he has given, all the blessings that he has given us, you didn't deserve any of it. Because when you get your place to that place, man, you know, maybe, just maybe, that Romans 12, 1 and 2 will start to really take effect. You know, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Right? Paul says, I beseech you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. You, you've got to remember it's, it's, it's our reasonable service. It's reasonable to do it because he did it for us. And that's kind of the, the, the points I think Paul's trying to say here. Uh, you know, how we've received the positional blessing in Christ that we read in chapter 1. And those are those positional things that we got. Uh, you know, uh, 
to be chosen to be holy and without blame, to be adopted as children, uh, to be accepted in the beloved, to be uh, redeemed and forgiven, to, be, uh, to, to abound to us all wisdom and prudence, to, to uh, understand and give us the ability to understand the mystery of his will. Uh, he revealed truth to us through this very book, okay? And, and he sealed us, which means that once you are in the Father's hand, you never can get out. And he's given us an inheritance. These are none of these things any of us deserved. And, 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 and Paul is reminding us of that. God has quickened us. The day we got saved, he quickened us. God made us sit down now. I love that. So that God will show us something in the future. And I don't know what he's got prepared for us. Neither do you. But I can promise you this. If I know anything about God, it's going to be beyond anything we could ever imagine. And, there's, and what I love about it is, you have to ask, why didn't he tell us all the things? I'm going to guess, this is just my opinion, but I'm going to guess is because there's no way you could put it in words. Everything that he's going to give to us. And you didn't deserve, and I didn't deserve any of it. Huh? That's the God you serve. That's the God I serve. That's the God we serve together. Amen? Because in the ages to come, not in Israel's earthly kingdom, but you in Christ, he's got something for us. He's got something for us. Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen? Number two, point two here, God's gift. God's gift. It's, it, it really is a, a wonderful passage describing how salvation is possible. And by the way, for everyone. Okay? That, 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 this isn't, this isn't uh, uh, and again, I'm not trying to be a dead horse. I'm just, I'm just being straight here. This isn't Calvinism. This isn't pick and choosing. No, th this is for everyone. Only now it is being revealed because now we are without Israel and now we are not under the law. And so that's why it's being revealed here in Ephesians. Again, be reminded salvation is undeserved. Salvation is unearned, which is why grace is a gift. Okay? Uh, can I say this? Grace is not an entitlement. Israel fell into that trap. They thought they were entitled to some things. And that led them down to some very wrong uh, uh, paths. We need to make sure that we understand that it, 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 we're not entitled to this gift. We're not, quote unquote, special. Okay? We're only special if we're in him because he's special. Is that fair? Okay. How did you get access to this blessing of salvation? I'm on page 14. By grace, which empowers you. Okay, that's how we got access to this. By grace, which empowers you. It is not just you got a free gift so you could get a ticket out of hell card. You were saved by grace for a purpose. 
Thank you, Chris. Listen, man, that's where I think we kind of have messed this up a little bit in the church house today. That's why if we just pay attention to verse 8 and 9 and not pay attention to 10, we're not understanding what that grace that was a free gift given was given for. There is a purpose behind it. See, we live, especially here in the United States, right? We, in a very, we as we're seeing definitely nowadays, we see, uh, you know, we, we are a very entitlement society. And it, and it is a real problem because we think we deserve things. We think that just because we wake up and just because we breathe fresh air, we deserve something. And the reality is you don't even deserve the fresh air you're breathing. And if God didn't give you that fresh air, you wouldn't be breathing. And there's not a darn thing you could do about it. We've got to get different perspectives on these things. One of the major doctrinal issues today is that the church tries to steal the entitlements that were given to Israel. And you've heard us preach on that pretty hard. Hey, the church has not replaced Israel. We don't get what was entitled to Israel. And by the way, why would we want them? God gave us our own. And I would argue they're better. Really, for a lot of reasons. Romans 3, 10 and 12, Paul says, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understands. There's none that seeks after God. They've all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So when you and I were in that Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 position, and what I mean by that is we weren't in Christ prior to our salvation, we weren't good. We weren't good people. We weren't righteous. There was nothing we could do for God that was worth of any value. We were unprofitable. Now, we look at that and we go, man, that's harsh. Okay, maybe it is, I don't know. But the reality is, it's true. And sometimes hard needs to be understood. Because when you understood just how bad it really was, you can understand how good it really can be. Yeah. And I, I really believe that with everything I've got in me. It would do us all well to make sure we understand a few things here. We have no right to anything in Scripture, even the breath of life. We have no right to anything. God does not save us because he loved us. He has loved us to save you from your sin. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? God didn't save us because he loved us. He has loved us to save us from our sin. We've got a problem. He doesn't love you for who you are. He loves you for what he made you to be. You understand? If God is really love, will he accept us for who we are? I say not true. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. What if I killed everyone that I came, I came in contact with? Would you love me for who I am? Huh? Of course not. 
No, you love those who are deserving of it. And if I'm not deserving of it, you're not going to love me. You're going to think I'm a bad person. It's not good to love darkness, death, sin, etc. We do not understand this, yet it is uh, a major point of the first three chapters that we're reading here in Ephesians. He died to save us so that he could change us because he has a purpose for us. He died to save us that he could change us because he has a purpose for us. And, and it was not anything we could have done of ourselves. Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? Did we really deserve any of this? The answer is no. The only thing we deserved is hell. And that is why, if you really, really contemplate that, that is why Laodicea is so sickening. It's, it's, it, can you understand why it, it makes him so sick? Because he has given us all these things freely that we didn't deserve. It cost him something, but it didn't cost you anything. And yet, somehow, along the way, we are so me-so-me. We are so about ourselves. And it is a real problem. We have to understand it was a gift. The gift of God is not the faith that God gives you to get saved. That is Calvinistic thinking. Do you understand that? The gift of God is not what he gave you to get saved. The gift of God is what he gave you to accomplish the work that he has for you. And you need to understand that. Romans 3 says this, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And, and he goes on to say in Romans 5, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, Adam, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus, the second Adam, hath abound unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to con condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if a, by one man's offense doth reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Came upon all men. Yep. All right. Not specific, choice few. No, all men have the ability to accept this gift. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever, whosoever will get eternal life through him. Call upon him. Everybody has been given this gift. It would be kind of like this. I've used this flimsy example before, but you kind of get the point. If I came to your house and I had this package and it was all nice and wrapped and I gave it to you and I said, hey man, I love you. Here's this gift, man. I hope you enjoy it. And you're like, oh man, you really wrapped that really nice. It's very pretty, very nice. Thank you. And you went and opened up your closet and you stuck it in the closet and you shut the door. Did you get the gift? Yeah, it's there for you. But did you receive the gift? Why? She never opened it. <laughs> you have no clue what's in there. You got no idea what's in there. That is the idea of what we're trying to get to here. God has given the gift to everyone. Everyone has been given this gift. But you got to open it. You got to open it. And if you don't open it, then, you know, um, you know, you're never going to get it. Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And, and Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, Thanks be unto God for this unspeakable gift. I mean, this, this gift goes beyond any other gift we could ever even contemplate. So what about your sin? If you don't recognize how terribly lost you are, you'll never realize how unbelievably saved you can really be. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm just trying to say it different ways, but y'all get it, man. I, I mean, you, we got to get to that place. The gift of God, letter I, is salvation, justification, eternal life. And all of these things are through faith. What am I going to say? In Christ. We just don't get these things. Can I say this? Salvation as a gift insults all religious minds. They just can't fully understand it. Religion just has this thing, because we make it all about ourselves. Religion just has this thing that I need to do something. That's where the works come in. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to go knock on doors and, do and stuff. I need to, what, whatever it is that religion propagates, it's, it's I need to do something for salvation. I need to work my way to heaven. And, and what Paul's saying here is, you can work all you want. You can do all the many wonderful works all you want. But if Jesus does not know you, all your works are going to be worthless. And it's true. It, it really is what separates Christianity from religion. I don't believe Christianity should be classified as a religion. And what I mean by that, and let me just make sure I preface that by saying, I don't mean biblical Christianity should be prefaced as a religion. And the reason why I say that is because Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. That's what it is. And it, do you have 
that intimate relationship with your future husband. As the bride of Christ and, and, and Jesus being the, the husband. You know, we, we talked last night at our one link at uh, the Thompson's. You know, we looked at, uh, we're, we're going through the judgment seat of Christ. And you know, there's folks in that Bible study, man, they've never heard this stuff before. And that's very sad to me. It really is that, and there was probably a time you all were going, I never heard this stuff before. You know, thankfully, y'all been, <laughs> thankfully, you know, we've all been around. Listen, there was a time when I never heard this stuff before. Okay, we all are there. The question is, what are you going to do with it? You know, you, you can't claim ignorance now. Okay? And I promise you, it's regardless of the point, on the day of judgment, you weren't going to be able to claim it anyways. So you better be glad you're getting it now, so at least you have the opportunity to do something about it. You, you understand? We need, we need to have opportunities to do something about it. But, man, uh, salvation uh, as a gift... Uh, it, it, it just the, the 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 religious mind can't grab onto this. Uh, you know, R Paul says that kind of in Romans three twenty six when he says, "Declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus." At this time, God's righteousness has been declared to us. By the way. By the way, it wasn't in the Old Testament. People were counted as righteous, but God's righteousness had not been declared yet. And so that's why another reason why when you go, well, you can't be looking forward to the cross. How could you? Clearly, he's talking about how Jesus was given for the propitiation of our sins. So obviously, propitiation is a bloody sacrifice. Obviously, the cross is now in mind in Romans 3, right? If I'm an Old Testament saint, how could I be looking forward to the cross when I didn't even know what righteousness was? My righteousness in the Old Testament was declared to me by being obedient to God's word. That's what happened. And God's word said, go to the temple, sacrifice, do these things. The, there was a work-based thing around that. There were things we had to do. Well, not we, the Jews, okay? Or, or, or Gentiles could, could also be counted righteous in the Old Testament, but what they would have to do is, if you will, proselyte to the Jewish way of doing things, okay? But in the New Testament, that's not true. That's not true. And by the way, that within itself should be enough for all of us to stand up and go, amen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to go to a temple. I don't have to sacrifice animals. I don't have to do any of those things. Uh, all I got to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Right where I'm sitting. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> At the end of the day, what, what, what we need to understand is we needed something from God. There was nothing we could do on our own. And that is the end of the story. It's that simple. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Number three, Ephesians 2, 9. You know, the next part of this is we've got to understand that it's not of works. There is nothing we can do. You know, I, I think one of the saddest verses in the Bible, really, truly, is that Matthew 7, 21 through 23 passage. It really is if you really just stop and read what it's actually saying. And I'm not so sure. You know, I think there's times in life, right, where things happen in life that will stop you in your tracks. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Like life is going, life is going, and something happens. You know, I think, uh, you know, we had a young lady over at our Douglasville church yesterday. Uh, her husband went out, got in the car, was getting ready to go somewhere, and she didn't know what happened. She didn't know where it was. He didn't, the car didn't leave or nothing. And she, was like, and she went out to go see what was going on, and he was dead in the car. He had had a heart attack, a massive heart attack, and died right there. I guarantee you that stopped her in her tracks. Her life just changed. Something big just changed. And I think... You know, when you read Ecclesiastes and you kind of look at what, what uh, Solomon is saying, you know, he, he kind of lets us in on the fact that, you know what? Sometimes in life, you need to be stopped in your tracks to get your attention. And, 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 and you know, God does that a lot in this book. However, I think what has happened is we get so desensitized to it that it doesn't stop us in our tracks when it should. And so let me give an example. When Matthew chapter 7 talks about uh, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, when it, when it says that, and it says that many are going to say, have we not done many wonderful works? And Jesus is going to say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work in iniquity. Man, I don't know about you, but that should stop us in our tracks. That should make us ponder, am I the one he's going to say that to? Because I think the saddest thing that could ever happen is to be on your deathbed. Oh, I want to go see Jesus. It's going to be so awesome. I can't wait. And then find out you're at the wrong judgment. And there's not a darn thing you can do about it now. Nothing. I think it's a healthy thing to examine ourselves. I think that's a healthy thing. I'm not saying to examine yourself to the point where you're questioning your salvation, but I am saying to examine yourself to question are you in the faith? Are you living the Christian life as you should? Because whether it's that or whether it is as we spoke about last night and we've talked about here in this church a lot, or whether it is you just don't have any crowns to cast before your Lord. Now, granted, I'd much rather there than not knowing him at all or he doesn't know us. I will give you that. But man... After the gift he gave to you, you're not going to give him gifts that he rightfully deserves from you? That's why I say one of the most selfish things we could ever do 
is learn about the grace of God that he's given to us and the mercy that he's given to us and not share that with other people. That's very selfish. It's very me-focused. It really is. Grace, letter A, requires a cross for God to be just. A work was done, but not yours. Through faith, not sacraments, not covenants, not Israel, law, tithing, works, etc. And the reason why is because there's no room for us to boast here. We, we will not, we cannot, and we should not ever impede on God's glory. Because he will not share his glory with another. And he should not. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason for him to do so. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 131 that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Jeremiah 9, 23-24, thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise love, kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Man, that's some powerful verses right there. Where is boasting then? Where uh, it is excluded by what? Law of works? Nay, by the law of faith. What should we boast in? What should we give ourselves to? Faith. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord, right? And hey, by the way, who is the word of the Lord? Who is the word of God? Je Jesus is. Paul says in Romans 4, 2 through 5, For if Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof to glory. In other words, if Abraham had the ability to justify his works, then he could glory. He could glory in himself. But not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So what was it that Abraham did? Was it, was it, was it his works that was counted as righteous, or was it that he believed in God? He took God at his word, he believed what God said, and he did it. That's not works. You understand? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Page 16, letter I. You can't boast in yourself or your works. But I can tell you something that you can boast in. I think we sing a song, but I will boast in, I, mean, I can't sing, but y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Yeah, man, there is something we can boast in, and that's the Lord Jesus. Galatians 6, Paul says, but God forbid that I should glory 
I'm not going to glory in anything save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And you almost look at that and go, what's Paul saying there? Huh? The world's crucified unto me? Paul, what are you talking about? Understand what Paul's talking about. We should now. We should grab onto that. Why? Because who was the gospel of Jesus Christ given to? To relay it to us. Paul. That's why he calls it my gospel. Okay? Not that Paul did anything. Jesus did it all. And all him I owe. Salvation does not come by works, nor through doubt or distrust. Where does faith come from? I gave you the verse. We should all know that. Where does it come from? The Word of God. Faith is not an object you hold. Can you hold faith? Right? Can you see faith? No. It's not what you have done. It is an acknowledging of what you have heard and believing and trusting in it. Hence that whole believing part of the gospel. It's not just that you have believed it. You also have to receive it. Because the devils can believe, but they tremble. So just believing in the cross, okay, you're halfway there. But we're still living on a prayer. <laughs> you see what I'm saying, Claude? I thought that was a pretty good one. No? Yeah, no, no, Bon Jovi, man. He's a good Italian over in New Jersey. I like him. <laughs> but seriously, man, that, that, that's as far as you'll get if you just believe. And can I say this and try to be as humble about it as I can? I don't think that salvation is just believing that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. I don't think that's salvation. That's not what 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 says. You have to believe and receive. And you go, what are you talking about? That's that whole gift thing I was just telling you about. You know, I gave you a gift. I mean, do you believe I just gave you a gift? Well, yeah, I just gave it to you. There it is. But did you receive it? Well, no, because you put it in the closet and you shut the door and you never opened it. You have no idea what's inside that gift. And I think there's where we fall short, and that's why a lot of people, unfortunately, many are going to say to me in that day, and Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. I never knew you because you never received my gift. Have we not done many wonderful works in your name? We believed in you. But I never knew you because you never opened the gift. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I think this is important. What do y'all think? Right? Ephesians 1.13, Paul, back in the last chapter, said, In whom you also trusted. When? When? After you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation. So, so let me ask you this. And this is a question to ponder. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying anything other than just, hey, I'm just throwing it out there. Can someone get saved without the word of God? Right? Right? I mean, that, 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 that creates 
A very interesting thought. So if I stood up here and I said, hey, God loves you. God wants the best for you. God just wants to take care of you. Just, just God will meet you where you're at. Just bow your head and say a prayer after me. And, and I said, hey, you know, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I know I don't deserve uh, to go be with you. I, I deserve hell. Uh, Lord, can you just come into my heart right now and save me? Can I ask a question? In all seriousness, is that the word of God? There are some elements that, of that we could find in the Word of God, but that's not the Word of God. So that's why I'm asking the question, can we be saved without the Word of God? You know, I think that's an important question. You know, I, I will give you a couple verses just to kind of get you thinking. James 1.21 says it's the engrafted Word which saves your soul. Peter says it's the incorruptible Word that saves your soul. Uh, can, I, can I explain to you why there's something to that? It's because who is the Word of God? And you can't present a replica of the real thing. And I think what has happened today is much, especially in America, we got an American Jesus that's the replica of the real thing. Some of you, man, man, you remember when we were back in that Korean church there? And you remember when I preached that one message where I put a picture of Michael Jackson up on the thing? Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? And, and then I put a picture of uh, Elvis. Remember I said, hey, who is this? And everyone's like, oh, that's Michael Jackson, all that. And then what did I tell you? It's not. These are impersonators. They're not the real thing. And I would guarantee you that if you went up and talked to them and started asking them personal questions that only Michael Jackson or Elvis would know, would they know the answers? No, because it's not the real thing. I do believe, with all that I got in me, we have to accept the real thing here. A personator isn't going to work. Not in this one. You might be able to let an impersonator fool you or, or enjoy the entertainment of someone mimicking Michael Jackson or Elvis or anybody else for that matter. But at the end of the day, that's not Michael Jackson. And at the end of the day, that's not Elvis or whomever. At the end of the day, if it's not Jesus, you got a problem. And just to give some biblical backing behind what I just said, now maybe you'll understand what Paul was actually saying in Galatians chapter 1. If you preach another gospel, if you, in Corinthians, if you receive another Jesus or receive another uh, uh, spirit, this is what Paul says. Let them be accursed. That's how serious Paul took it. Why don't we take that seriously? Remember when I said there's got to be some things in our lives that just stop us in our tracks? Listen, to know that there's another Jesus being preached and another gospel being preached, and another, what makes us think, okay, because you know what we have a habit of doing? Even in this church, we could do it, right? We have it of thinking, well, yeah, we're preaching the right Jesus. Oh, yeah, well, we're receiving the right gospel, right? How many churches would you go in this morning, and if you said that, they'd all be like, well, we're preaching the right one. So we all have a habit of thinking that we're doing the right one. Right? Right? Well, here's going to be my thing. 
okay, then why don't we have more Christians walking around? Like, biblical ones. Why are we having such trouble out here right now? Why is what's going... If this world had as many Christians as profess Christianity, we'd be a very different world. Something's not jiving. Something's wrong. Something's just not lining up here. And the reality is what's not lining up is I think we have many a place that hasn't accepted the real Jesus, hasn't believed in the real gospel, does not have the spirit inside of them. And so I get it. Okay, I got it. I grabbed. What makes you think you're right? What makes you think this is the only... Why do you always got to call out everybody else? Listen, I'm not calling out everybody else. What I'm saying is if something's wrong, it's wrong. And if the other person's doing it, I can't help that. Wrong is wrong, and people are going to hell with wrong. If, if you knew, if you knew, hey man, Amy, I'm just telling you right now, okay? David, he's trying to get rid of you, and he put a bomb under your car. I watched him do it. I watched him do it. Oh, man, he would never do that. He loves me. I'm just telling you, Amy, I saw it. I watched him do it. Nah, nah. Or worse, I mean, I saw it, but hey, just go ahead. And you got in that car, turned that ignition, and boom. I don't understand why we get so upset about stuff like that. Why is it that we would get so upset that somebody's actually willing to stand up knowing that people are not going to like them because they are standing up, but they don't care, and they're willing to say what is actually right. And why we get so upset about that? I'm not saying y'all do, but you know we've had people come through this church that have gotten mad at me or Robert or, or any of us for that matter because we're willing to say, that ain't right. Well, who are you to tell? I'm not telling you it ain't right. I'm just telling you what the book says that says it ain't right. Grab on to what's going on here. It's not me telling you, quote unquote, that ain't right. I only have the ability to tell you that it ain't right because the book tells you it ain't right. Does that make sense? I'm trying to make it sense to me. I hope it makes sense. It just blows my mind. It blows my mind that we could be a church that has, that I truly believe, and I'm not trying to puff me or Robert on at all because it's all a gift that's been given to us by the Lord and without him we wouldn't be able to do it anyways. But, but even a lot of you, I've seen it. We have a church that is knowledgeable about that book. We have a church that understands this book. We have a church that loves this book for real, man. We are in it. We are learning. We have all kinds of avenues that we have presented all kinds of people. Why can't that just be enough? And why wouldn't it just be enough? Why is there always got to be, oh, we have to do this? Who cares? What does that matter? Why does that matter? By the way, your opinion on that, okay, let me, do, okay, so we were just talking about last night. 
I won't mention anything, but, but, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Listen, why would it matter that I call out another church? Well, I don't like that. I don't think you should do that. Okay, now let me throw a little Bible behind that. Did Jesus call out those Pharisees? Were they wrong? And did he make sure they knew they were wrong? Okay, what does Jude say? Earnestly contend for the faith. What does Paul, in all three of his pastoral epistles, says to uh, 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 Timothy and, and uh, uh, Titus? I want to say creep because that's where he was. But Titus, all three of them, he, he just comes right out and tells them, preach no other doctrine. <laughs> in season, out of season. Convince the gainsayers. Let them know where they're wrong. Say it. He, he's telling, and he's consistently calling out the people that are not by name. Have I ever called a church out by name in this place? I don't think so. And if I did, not very often. Usually I just say, 95% of churches. And you know what's, 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 what's crazy about that? So y'all know Tori, right? Tori and Shauna Nelson, they came here to sing uh, a, a few months back, right? So I've been able to have the uh, privilege of being able to have conversations with Tori, and we, we do discipleship every week, and it's been awesome. Uh, but, you know, he's asked some really great questions, you know, like, very, very, and, you know, we'll, we'll be talking, and I'll say something to him, and he's like, uh, now why did you say that? And... What I love about Tori is he's not asking me the question to argue with me. Argue with me. He understands he my ability to churches in Jacksonville this morning, and all 1,100 of them, they are preaching the word of God. Amen, praise the Lord. I am with that all day long. I love that. But the reality is it's not true. And why am I the bad guy for pointing it out? When you really stop and you think about it, you say, well, you tell us all the time. You don't, you don't need to keep telling us. Really? I don't? I don't? 
Do you know when Jesus wanted to make a point in the Bible what he does? You know how he turns up the volume? He keeps repeating himself. Verily, verily. He does it often. Why? Because we have to be reminded daily that there is a problem out there. That just because something calls itself Christian does not make it so. And listen, listen, maybe you've heard it a hundred times, but what if somebody's listening right now that never heard it? Why are we so, well, you got to stop hammering that. We got it. Okay, but you do all realize that we are on Facebook Live and anybody could come back a year from now and listen to it, right? Why are you so selfish that you've got to sit there? I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just, I'm being serious, man. Why? What? You don't have to keep hammering that to us. Okay, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. Although I'm going to say, I bet I do. Because if you're anything like me, I have to keep hammering it to myself. Because I can fall back into my old ways very quickly. So, I don't know, maybe you're better than me. So maybe I don't have to. Maybe you got it. Maybe you do. And good for you. But that doesn't mean that the person next to you has got it. And it doesn't mean the person that might be listening on the radio got it. Or it doesn't mean the visitor has gotten it. You see what I'm saying? Letter I, if you think you earned or deserved it, or you doubt it, then the cross has become no effect to you. The opposite of grace is your own works. In Romans eleven six, Paul says, right? And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, works is no more work. By the way, do you see what Paul just did right there? Kind of proves my point. He said the same thing twice. Why? I mean, he didn't need to do that. We got the first. No, he says it twice. Why? Because he's trying to drive the point home. And God thought enough of that to put it in his book that we would have to continuously read it over and over and over again. Why is repetition bad? I don't know about anybody else, but repetition helps me learn. It just does. And then I find myself in a situation and I go, I remember when Pastor Gray said that. Yeah, okay. I mean, he said it so many times, it's just ingrained in my head now. And I'm like, okay. No, I'm not doing, no I don't want to take part in that. Opposed to if I just said it once, once, are you going to remember it? Well, who knows? Maybe. Maybe you won't. I'd rather ingrain it so much in your head that there's no way you're going to forget it because it's so ingrained in your head that you got it than just to assume you got it. Because you know what they say about people that assume things. And I don't want to be not at the judgment seat of Christ. I don't want to be. And I don't want you to be either. Understanding ministry is works. Listen, this is key. I'm done. We're going to wrap this up. But please hear this last point. Understand that ministry is works. Ministry is, let me repeat that. Ministry is works. Sanctification. Justification is not. That's where we get it messed up. Understanding the difference between the two of these is paramount. It's paramount. 
it's absolutely critical that we get to the place we understand it. What is the opposite of faith? Knowing the truth, hearing the truth, but not believing it or doubting or distrusting in it. And the examples that Paul gives us here, uh, and you can go ahead and read those on your own, but would be the resurrection of Christ. We can know that he resurrected, but the question is, are we living like he resurrected? Because those are two different things. We can know there's a resurrected life, but are we living the resurrected life? We can know he was crucified, but are we living the crucified life? I.e., Philippians, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may know his sufferings. Isn't that what Paul said? There's a difference. There is a difference. And when we look at these passages, or or, I'm sorry, verses in this passage, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, what we cannot, what we should not, and what we absolutely critically will not do, or I will want to be a part of at this church, is not help you understand verses 8 and 9 without helping you understand verse 10. Because in my opinion, maybe, I think just as important as 8 and 9 is, so is verse 10. Am I thankful for the grace? (sighs) Yeah. And you should be too. Because without it, mm, mm -mm, we'd be in trouble. But if I don't understand the purpose of that grace... I wonder if that's just as critically damning to us as not understanding 8 and 9. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. I do know we need to understand it. And we're going to talk about it next week. It'll be point number four in in our book. All right. Amen? Good book.